Hello, my name is Anoa Changa. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the April 12, 2017 edition of The Way with Fanoa. Woo! You know, I cannot believe I've been doing this with you guys for almost a year now. It's pretty awesome. So first up off top, gotta say thank you to the new patrons for this month. Anna, Jason, Rachel, Rodney, Daniel, Adrian, and Joshua. Thank you all so much for becoming patrons of the way. Now, if you just became a patron, just to check out and see, you know, I have those little extras I do on um, generally on Monday mornings, morning tea with no, no, I completely understand. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. But you should stick around every little bit from a dollar on up to the top, top, top. I'm about to introduce some new patron levels as well. I'll tell you about those later. Um, but every little bit helps. And what does it help me do? Well, it helps me provide a small, I would wish I could give him more love offering, uh, uh, as the church folks says, uh, a blessing to my producer, Mr. David Grossman, who runs everything on the back end, make sure I can get up on Facebook Live and all that other good stuff. Um, it's helped me be able to pay for all the different subscriptions and start, you know, investing in some more equipment and, and trying to actually upgrade my recording space. So, um, you guys are phenomenal and awesome for supporting the way. Please like and subscribe to my channel because I am streaming live, trying to build up my my presence and my channel. Also, if you if you, any of you catch me on the podcast, if you hear me on the iTunes, Spreaker, um, was it Google Play, Stitcher? You know, looking at expanding as well. You know, please drop a review. You know, uh, uh, rate rate the episode, rate the podcast. Like anything you can do, it really helps. Appreciate you guys so much because we've been growing this together, right? Um, and 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 there was so much going on last year. It was really kind of hard to maybe like focus. I think on how to grow the way in the brand. Folks have accused me of having cultish followers. You guys are some of the wittiest to shoppers. Shout out to Joshua. Joshua has been sending me like, Joshua became a patron this weekend and I think I've probably gotten like 10 emails um, with tips and stories. So I, I do need to go back through. So if you guys ever wanna, you know, send tips, suggestions, um, and definitely patreon.com backslash the way with the Noah. Check it out. Again, a dollar, a dollar. If everyone gives a dollar, it helps and goes a long way. Um, you know, like my, my, my daughter just, just joined a math honor society. You know, you could help me uh, uh, buy her uh, our special favorite hot chocolate one time. I mean, just anything, it, it definitely helps. So, um, and when you become a big patron, you get special content from me, which is morning tea with Nono. Yes. Um, a special morning heart to heart from me to you all um, at the beginning of the week. So, Check it out, like and subscribe. I mean, I know a lot of folks have seen some of the stuff with the YouTube demonetization as a smaller content creator. That really hasn't affected me because um, I don't make any money from YouTube <laughs> and Google AdSense anyway. But um, it would prohibit, you know, smaller folks from starting. You know, they talk about like 10,000 subscribers is when they'll start monetizing and all this other stuff. I mean, you could have, a, you could be a smaller content creator 
and go viral, right? Without 10,000 subscribers. So it's it's something we said, but patrons, this helps us stay as independent as possible, as true to our work. And it helps us stay from having to like, you know, chase, I don't know, whatever sources of possible, whatever is out there. Hey, you keep me away from the likes of Share Blue. Not that they, not that they would want me anyway, but anyway, um, you know, really, really great stuff going on. Um, some sad stuff happening too, but I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Kenneth Shelton coming up later on to talk about Raise the Age, Free College Tuition in New York. Kenneth is an organizer activist in New York. Um, I, we were connected through another organizer I've met, um, Adrian, who spoke previously about Raise the Age um, and Shut Down Rikers. Uh, we 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 t- spoke with Adrian uh, previously uh, around uh, Khalif Browder's, you know, the the, the docu series that ha- that had been on Spike. It was a six part series. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Um, I mean, really heart wrenching, gut wrenching, heartbreaking story. But it's you know there are many Khalifs in the system, right? There there are many other issues. And yay, Rikers is going to get shut down. We'll get more into that later. But you know part of that is building other prisons, you know. And there are so many issues with Rikers, not just the 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 the, the way it's kept. It's the guards. It's the culture. It's the warehousing of people who haven't even been charged with any. I mean, so much so wrong on so many different levels. Um, one of the things I just want to top off, you know, just 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 start with, you know, like I said, there's so many amazing people who have contributed to the show in some way, even just their presence and the content you all create, right? Because you inspire us too. Um, shout out to my sis Tahira Barney um, at Flesh and Brand on Twitter. Uh, she goes, periodic reminder that being anti-regime change doesn't equate to being an Assad apologist or advocating for the children of, t- of children, uh, the killing of children. That's awful. But I was getting ready to laugh at myself because it's like awful that we have to have these things, right? Like like the group think that is existing right now, particularly out of those who are parroting the messaging of Washington elites, of your Rachel Maddow who sees a Russia connection in every little angle. Pretty soon my haagen which I binge every once in a while, you know, we all have our guilty pleasures, is going to be some type of Russian um, conspiracy as well. You know, what's her name from across the pond? Louise Minch, Louise Mental. Um, you know, she had a whole diatribe of mouth diarrhea s- some days ago about how basically BLM was a Russian, um, BLM and Ferguson was a Russian uh, paid front and, and some other nonsense, whatever, and they're virtually silent. She knows nothing uh, movement for Black Lives organizations, which includes Black Lives Matter, have been holding these political education webinars that are Wednesdays at 7 p.m. You know, check out their social media stuff. Tons of stuff going on, right? From from affiliate people don't even understand the concept of BLM, the organizations, the overall movement as a whole, and they talk so much. But 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 the liberal darlings will retweet this woman who 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 inflicts such violence with her language. Like, how dare you ascribe whether we agree all the time with everyone who might consider themselves under certain umbrellas, whether we agree, but to ascribe the work, the hard efforts and the toils. Like I talk all the time about my sis, Corey Bush, you know what I'm saying? And I've listened to Corey testify and, and, and I use that in, in the most real sense about her experiences during Ferguson, about, you know, being arrested and being, you know, roughed up by police and the things that she's went through. And I mean, for somebody like this posh Brit, who don't know nothing about anything going on in the hood in America to sit there and have someone like her, you know, castigating people's work and energy and soil and toil and blood and sweat is insulting among other things. 
And then we have to remind people that someone like a, um, you know, a, 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 a Tulsi Gabbard is not an Assad apologist, right? Like, you know, people who are not, we've seen no matter how awful these people are, we, we've seen regime change. We saw regime change in Iraq. We've seen in Afghanistan. We've seen in Libya. We saw regime change in the Congo with the assassination of Patrice Lumumba and installation of Mobutu. Like we've seen what regime change does, right? We got decades and decades. We saw regime change with the murder of, of, of Salvador Allende. We have seen regime change all across the country. We've seen great people who, you know, didn't fit Western sensibilities taken out of office. And we've seen bad, big, bad monsters taken out as well. And we've seen chaos ensue and human rights atrocities abound. So, so let's not get all up in our moral frenzies. Like we all of a sudden really care about bringing freedom you know, to other people. Because the only bombs, the only bombs that's going to free your soul is the bombs that you tag on the side of a subway train. Yeah, because I did spend the weekend watching the get down. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. If you don't know about what bombing and tagging is, look it up. Or, or hit me up on Twitter and we can talk about it. Talking about graffiti. The only bomb that's going to free your soul is when you bomb in the side of a subway train. Yep. Yep, I said that. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, we just got friendly reminders every, every once in a while, I guess. Not to not to remind ourselves only that we're we are actually sane just because we're not frothing at the mouth for war, but also to remind other people out there who might start slipping because if they think like maybe I'm the only one. No, you're not. It's okay. That's why we exist. You know, independent media, we're here. Um, not the fringe left. Um, very, very, you know, grounded in reality on what's going on in the world. Um, which is why I like so much to talk to good people doing good work, which, you know, Kenneth will be in soon. Um, on a sad note tonight, and, and I really do think that even though this is not necessarily like politics, I think this brother's philosophy and approach, because I don't give a F about what you think about what I am, because I'm going to do it anyway. Mr. Charlie Murphy, if you don't know about Eddie's, Eddie's brother, and I know we, I mean, he don't, if, if folks don't know, as you know, about Eddie Murphy's brother, because Charlie Murphy has his own name, he has his own presence, and he has his own legacy. And my favorite Charlie Murphy moment, and like, he's just, just, just the way he is, he's just like, whatever, like, you think I care? <laughs> and I just love that, right? And, and no, it's not going to be a whole thing. But the one thing I just want to know is, you know, almost a year ago, we we talked about the passing of Prince, um, and 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 on the Dave Chappelle show, there were these there were these true stories, these Hollywood true stories with Charlie Murphy, and everybody be like, "What? No, that's so silly to me. That can't be." The man led 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 the had some hilarious moments. You know, there was a story about him getting slapped by Rick James, but the the funniest story is when he's playing. Um, basketball, he, you know, he's hanging out with Prince of the Revolution and there's shirts and blouses or whatever, or their blouses and skins. I'm messing up the story, but, but the funniest part is Prince and the gang, they whoop them because they, they laughing like, ha 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 ha. Y'all know how Prince dress, right? They laugh and Charlie Murphy and them like, ha ha ha. They think they're going to beat us wearing their heels and boots and stuff like that. So Prince and them, because it's true, Prince actually played basketball in high school. So Prince whoops on them. And then he makes everybody pancakes. This story is actually true. Prince verified it was true. And that's the most, one of the most hilarious things that, that I had seen, like from Dave Chappelle was that skit. But 
you know, the only way you can really memorialize someone like a Charlie Murphy, you know, thinking about comedians and stuff, people who live their life just like, you know, for for themselves and their craft is is to embrace and understand the humor, too. So there is a tweet which some who don't know better might think it was untasteful, well, distasteful, but it was like, you know, Prince greeting Charlie Murphy in heaven. And it's a gift of, you know. Prince serving him pancakes. So yeah, that 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 just like kind of touched me today. Um, because I think I said there's a lot going on, and and I think that we do have to own our truth, right? And it can't matter that other people don't agree with us or don't like what we're doing. I mean, you know, you do need to take a check sometimes to make sure you're on the right path, that you're that you're in the right zone. Because it's really easy with a lot of stuff that's going on for us to get off in a field that is so far, you know, off to out of the way, not even in the right direction, not helping us move forward. I mean, we don't want to fill that stereotype of the aggressive left. We need to always be proactively moving and building forward, creating narratives, shaping and changing dynamics, right? And everything that we do. Um, so a couple of different stories happened today uh, in addition to that stuff. Um, <laughs> ben Carson was stuck in an elevator while visiting a public housing unit and a public housing apartment building in uh, Miami. Uh, it seems. And, you know, like I know exactly what that feels like to be stuck in an elevator while you're visiting public housing. When I worked as a nonprofit attorney in public housing, I was stuck in an elevator in my office building in Chicago. So, like, I totally know how Ben Carson felt. You know, it's very traumatizing to be stuck in an elevator um, with people, you know, who aren't like you. Um, so, so, you know, I really, really, I can't even pretend to be caring about this. This is hilarious. Like, dude. <laughs> Like, he is so, like, it. it's like, it would only happen to you. Like, who the hell goes to visit the projects and gets stuck in the damn elevator? Like, I mean, the average person does. Most of us, you know, have visited folks and not been able to take the elevator. I remember my aunt's apartment in Harlem, like, she's on the sixth floor and these stairs, like, like these walk-ups in New York, they serious. Have you ever been in a New York walk? The stairs are ridiculous. And as kids, for the longest time, the elevator in the building never worked until they started redeveloping the building. So it was like years, grocery shopping, everything, up six flight a damn stairs. She has a beautiful view, beautiful view. But it, 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 it's, it's worrisome. It's, it's troublesome trying to get up the stairs. The, rest of the elevator works now because it's Harlem and it's completely gentrified. That's a whole other story. But but I sympathize for him with his, with his elevators. Um going through a few more stories. And then, like I said, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll chop it up with Kenneth. Um, Alabama Church Police Department. So apparently the Alabama State Senate feels that it's a great idea for a Birmingham church to have its own police force. Um, the rationalization is that they have like 4,000 or so parishioners. They have other events and activities and stuff. So they need own police. Why they can't just hire security, I'm not really sure. But there's a concern that if they have their own police department and they're not responding to the Birmingham police, then there could be some cover-ups. I mean, there, there, there are some current there's quite a few issues in terms of jurisdictional issues and other things as well. So um, supposedly there is nothing else like it in terms of a church. Like, you know, colleges have their own police departments. Um, there are some private colleges and stuff like that, that, you know, in Alabama that have that, but not a church, not an entity like that. And so it's it's really interesting um, how this is going to play out, if there's going to be any legal challenges and what this actually means for the conversation that we have in terms of around policing um, constitutional rights and, and addressing not just the movement for Black Lives, but the way police engage with communities and the interjurisdictional stuff in general. Like, what if what if what if a crime does happen on their property, right? I mean, so so it, it does raise a lot of interesting questions. Um, and the, the last thing I'll get to, and then I'll I'll, I'll chop it up. 
um, some with Kenneth. Uh, apparently, there's a new book coming out about the, the Clinton campaign. Um, and it says that basically the campaign was plagued by bickering, um, whether it was, you know, Hillary chewing out staff and all the way down to interns or Bill chewing out staff all the way down to interns. Um, um, there's excerpt in The Hill that depicts the very terse um, phone conversation with, with staffers, senior staffers huddled in Huma's office um, around a the phone. They said Bill, Bill and Hillary were rarely ever in the Brooklyn office. And, and again, this is, these are the accounts from a writer from Bloomberg. Um, and, and just, just all types of things, you know, uh, they were up, she was mad about, uh, 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 Michigan and just all types of stuff that happened. And they said the worst part was even, even when there probably was a time to maybe like get her to change things, Bill was whispering her ear, you know, basically keeping her on track with the way they were going. So they imploded, um, you know, Russia, 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 not saying that there isn't something to it. There could be, who knows? I don't really care anymore. The fact of the matter is they tanked you know, what should have been, even if there was a rough challenge, dude shouldn't have beat you by like running Facebook ads. I'm sorry. That's pathetic. And we've seen, you know, the Democrats have not learned their lesson um, with, with the Kansas District 4 race and, and we keep on going. And and the, and the challenge comes for people, whether, again, I say it all the time, what doesn't matter what you're doing party-oriented-wise, the eventually you guys, whatever, you need to be growing your base and organizing locally. Um, and get your squad up because that's what we saw what happened in Kansas, right? You, you had someone, a Democrat, you saw the party do nothing. They, they at the last minute, they sent out a robocall from a very, fairly unknown. So, yeah. So, so, so there's a, there's a lot going on there. Um, and we'll continue to have the conversation, um, you know, ongoing as we're going through this midterm election cycle and seeing what's happening coming on down the line. So that was just my quick run through with news and stuff. Um, I think that, uh, well, I'll, I'll get, I'll go a little bit more into uh, New York free tuition while I wait for Kim to come in. So, you know, New York passed free tuition, um, free college for all. This is what we've been waiting for, right? I mean, oh my God, we're progressives. Great win. <gasps> Sarcasm. I'm kind of good at it sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I, sometimes it's overkill, sometimes I'm good at it. But, um, but so, you know, I got a lot of pushback from different people about why I'm so down on this. Like, yes, it is a good thing. You know, um, there, there are students who are over, like, you know, if your parents make between 80,000, and $125,000 a year would not ordinarily be eligible for certain aid. They, there's a tap grant in New York, which is capped, I believe at 80,000. Um, there's other aid, you know, someone said there's like all this stuff for low-income students. That's not actually necessarily true either. I mean, there's still a lot of challenges and stuff. And one of the major uh, uh, complaints about this is um, the fact that it's only available, Excelsior Scholarship is Catching only available to full-time news? students. Do that. Just available about everything actually else better. students as well. And then also the requirement that students are to stay um, in state. So if you use it for two years, you got to stay in state for two years. If you use it for four years, same thing. And so... Well, well, why is that a problem? I mean, you're getting something from state. Well, well, New York education is really heavily subsidized already by taxpayers. And that requirement does not exist anywhere that students going to, you know, state schools are mandated to stay there. The problem, though, is, is if you have some other opportunity that's really great, you know, because who knows what happens, right? Like, I remember I was supposed to work in New York and coming out of law school. I was supposed to work for the New York City Department of Law coming out of law school. Um, you know, had a great series of interviews. It was awesome. 
But what happened in 2008? The damn market crashed. And at the time, New York City got an estimate like 10% or so of its budget from Wall Street. So the job that I was, you know, on track to getting was now being rescinded and held back. They weren't going to make a decision for, 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 for nearly a year. So, I mean, who knows what happens with it? Because, because you have like New York City and that rippled throughout the state too. But you know, have New York City, for example, especially when we're talking about CUNY students, right? Um, we have New York City, for example, which is a huge employer in some, in, in some areas. Um, you know, when you have places that are, are, are dependent upon the markets and stuff, and if we're having, you know, issues with, with things going on, there are there are so many different considerations in here. The another one that was raised by Pat Tapit a hat tip to Patrick Hopkins. Another issue was raised was the fact that there's no provisions for undocumented students. Um, undocumented students, you know, we we do know that undocumented folks also pay taxes and engage, you know, with the exception of being undocumented in the system, you know, in a lawful manner. And so what? They don't. They don't. I mean, so that's a problem like everywhere. We, we've, I've seen that, you know, happening down here with um, the fight for undocumented students to be able to get access to in-state tuition. I mean, it, that's, that's a national issue as well. So as we're looking at this, you know, this being like a national model for where to go, you know, Bernie's bill has some similar provisions, but it's a national bill. So it, it accommodates for things that are not necessarily, you know, an issue at the state level. Um, we need to be asking these questions because the fact that it's last dollar aid as well is a Okay, you know, see, so, so, you know, so the last time this happened, I had another really fire guest on, and I do believe sometimes that the Google and YouTube folks, because when I had Dr. Akinyele Emoja on here talking about Black liberation uh, 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 ideology, it crashed, and actually it locked all of us out of the Google, like the Hangout. I couldn't get in, David couldn't get in, Dr. Emoja couldn't get in, no, we, we, I mean, we had to restart everything and try all over again. Um, so I know bringing this young brother on right now is part of what just made everything shut down. Like, I don't know if, if it's the people trying to stop us or, or just, you know, he's just too hot to handle for the software. But Kenneth, thank you so much for joining me this evening. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I mean, I'm inspired all the time, you know, and, and the thing is like, you know, you see people's posts and stuff, but then you actually get to, to chat with them every once in a while or other people were like, yeah, you need to talk to so-and-so. So you, so I, I see what you're doing and I, I really appreciate and, 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 and value the work that you've been contributing across so many fronts. So, and I got to hear you speak. You got a, you got a clip of, a, of you speaking at a rally. I was like, okay, now, <laughs> get him now. <laughs> <laughs> All those college credits come in handy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but no, thank you so much for all that you do. Like, uh, you know, just just being a black woman, I, I already know how hard that can be. Well, just from being a black man. So <laughs> thank you so much well, for trailblazing. So, so much has happened recently in New York. I mean, you things that, that 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 I know have been near and dear to you with Raise the Age and then Shut Down Rikers, those two, um, you know, issues reaching some type of, I don't know if it's a conclusion or resolution, but 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 raise the age was included in provisions for raise the age was included in um, the recent New York budget, and then uh, De Blasio did come forth with a with a plan to shut down um, Rikers. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about shut down Rikers, and then we can talk about um, raise the age? Well, the initial group that I was part of is shut down Rikers, and it's shut down Rikers and close Rikers, which are two. Totally different groups. Okay. Um, so I was a part of Shutdown Rikers with Akeem Browder, mm -hmm. Browder's brother. And we met at a rally once and then we just linked up and we decided that we really wanted to 
you know, close Rikers, of course, but, you know, also address a lot of the other systematic legal stuff that goes on that contributes to why Rikers is such a big problem. Mm-hmm. And then there's Close Rikers, a group of like different organizations, nonprofits um, that are now proposing, now that Rikers is closing or shutting down, to build like neighborhood jails. Mm-hmm. Most of them are on the commission. Okay. Um, so so there's a lot of uh, tension a lot of times between those two groups. Um, but I was part of Shutdown Rikers because I really feel like um, in order to really address these systematic issues, it's all about just abolishing the whole system, closing right. the whole system that are trying to reform something that's just going to be broken for us anyway. Right, right, right. So, um... <laughs> anyway, but and it's really interesting, right, that there is that tension, that there is that difference right there, right? Like, because if people aren't paying attention, you know, shut it down and close it. Like, folks are like, well, what's the difference, you know? Um, but like you just highlighted, like everyone was cheering, like finally de Blasio has seen the light. It's going to phase out and shut down. But like you said, like it's closing and then they're going to be reopening newer, you know, facilities, um, so what are kind of some of the issues, though, that have been that that are that led to you? Um, you know, many people do know Khalif's story. So, you know, so I can already imagine why Akeem is involved. But what are some of the issues, you know, maybe that have been raised more recently in addition to Khalif's story about Rikers that 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 just simply closing it doesn't resolve anything? I mean, I think the biggest one is broken windows policing. The mm-hmm. fact that high schoolers, if they don't have their high school ID, I buy police officers all the time for, you know, using turnstiles or even hopping a turnstile. Um, and those lead to, you know, misdemeanors and then systematic arrests, which leads to incarceration, you know, obviously black and brown people. I think that's probably one of the biggest things because they're introducing a whole new slew of reforms off the jails. Rikers is only a, a of the fact that they have all the three other facilities throughout the boroughs that they use. You know, there's one in Queens, there's one in Brooklyn, there's one in downtown Manhattan, and they also use a barge in the Bronx um, to like incarcerate and, and hold people. Um, but I think the biggest one is broken police, windows policing, which hasn't been addressed. You know, a lot of people like to address strikers, which is horrible and it's a really dangerous situation for a lot of people involved. But unless you address the root cause, which is one, the prison system, but then also the policing. I mean, here in New York State, in New York City, the number one crime is hopping a turnstile, and it costs us all, you know, upwards of millions of dollars to arrest, you know, try and incarcerate people. Um, so, and that's something that just hasn't hasn't been addressed, and I don't see being addressed anyways, because now you have a lot of co-optation of the movement, in which people are like, well, we need to take it slow. You know, we start closing Rikers, we're going to close it in 10 years, which is, you know, obviously false. Um, and now we're going to start introducing little p- bits and pieces. But now the idea with neighborhood jails is you have them closer to, you know, people's families. But you know what? Who's going to who's going to who is that going to impact the most? What's well, going to be the neighborhoods where they incarcerate the rest of most people, which is black and brown people? Um, so I've been uh, I can't get behind any of the plans that they put forward. I don't want Rikers to stay open because obviously that just be counterintuitive to what I fought for. I'm not going to get behind a plan that obviously still perpetuates the same cycle that we that we have and just makes people feel better about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the things that was really interesting when I spoke with um, Adrian, because Adrian and I spoke, I think, during the first 
I think maybe after like the first episode of the docuseries, you know, the Khalif Browder story. Um, one of the, the, the like one of the one of the stats she gave me that just stuck out the most was about the number of people who are at Rikers who have not actually been convicted, right? Like or even officially charged. Like people are just waiting. People have been arrested and just being held there. And obviously that's that was Khalif's story. You know, he was arrested and ultimately it was, you know, wrongful arrest, but he was arrested and he was there for three years. Um without ever being, you know, a, you know, charged, convicted of anything. So you have people there who haven't actually, so it's not even like, you know, most of the people sitting at Rikers are convicted criminals, you know, because that those are the images people have, right? Like you're saying, like when we're talking about, you know, hopping a turnstile, I remember back in the day when we were little, we would duck under when we were little. But 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 it has been ramped up in the criminalization. I mean, they, they, they you know, people have highlighted stories about, you know, the police and the pursuit of a young man to hop a turnstile and all all that it costs to do that for what two dollars and fifty cents or something like that. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, and I think you know one broken windows policing is 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 really the symptom of all this. The fact that you know if we address little crime, it leads to address addressing bigger crime. But that's not necessarily true at all. If you're on Rikers, and you know most of the people on Rikers haven't been convicted, haven't been you know they're innocent people. And, you know, a good example is if you get, you know, arrested and brought to Rikers, if you're accused of a crime, you can't go back to public housing. So a lot of the people, they pick up from public housing, they put them in Rikers, they try them with something, and then, you know, they can't come back to public housing, even when they do get their court date. And now their court date might not even be within the frame of speedy trial law, which is one of the laws that's in New York State. You know, you might have your court date in, like, 90 days and then the court says they're not ready and so now you're either faced with a plea bargain or you're faced with you know staying in jail for an extended amount of time and you know these reforms that is great for raise the age and things of that nature that's the root of these causes which is broken windows policing which impacts black and brown communities absolutely and that's a really i think another point that you raised that most people don't even think about when you're talking about um not just broken windows policing, but the effect on like public housing. And, and, and especially if you're a younger, if you're a teen and you're living at home with your family or even New York is an expensive place to live, even if you're a younger adult, right? And you're living at home with your family, like something like this, which is, which should be like, you know, off of the warning or no big deal could impact and jeopardize the stability and your ability to even live. And if you're not living someplace stable, then how are you able to work and or go to school? We were just, I was just talking about, you know, the tuition stuff. I mean, there are all these different things and they do disproportionately negatively impact black and brown communities in New York. Um, even when you're looking at, you know, with youth in school and same type of thing there. And so, I mean, these are all considerations and stuff that, that most people aren't taking into and thinking about, and we're going to build neighborhood, we're going to use these, these neighborhood jail system. But like you said, if you're not actually addressing, you know, um, even though stop and frisk is at a low, it still exists, right? It's it's still a practice that occurs. So, I mean, there, there are these mechanisms and ways in which people are engaging with our communities that while, you know, allies may make th think that they're, they're, they're winning some great, you know, thing, is it actually really moving the needle for us? And, and, and I appreciate, you know, you making that distinction. Um, so, so you, I, I saw this story actually on your timeline earlier. Hillary Clinton is showing up for the um, signing of the New York College Bill. Um, and you, you had an interesting reaction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one, I was trying to wrap my head around why she would come out the woodwork and 
I mean, of course, obviously, publicity signs a safer image. I'm not a fan of Hillary Clinton. I'm not a fan of a lot of one establishment Democrats, but then a, a lot of progressives, even on the progressive side, you know, who don't address race or think a lot of things are about class. That's a whole other conversation. Oh, we can uh, definitely we can have that conversation. Yeah, we can definitely have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, I think, especially here in New York, I mean, going back to Rikers, you know, raise the age, you know, it was us in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And you have all these progressive liberal people here talking about abolishing the prison system. And yet we're one of the last states in America, America, which incarcerates and jails millions of black and brown people to not say that 16 and 17 year olds should be incarcerated. Um, but back to the, the tuition plan. One, I'm not a big fan of the tuition plan. Um, I think what Andrew Cuomo proposed is absolutely ludicrous. It's it's something that he'd done to save his face mm-hmm. for him bringing up for a presidential run. The plan, I read a New York Times article today, and it's for traditional students in the, in a place where traditional students don't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, a majority of the people who are going to state schools, like CUNYs and SUNYs, are part-time students. You know, they're working their way up through college, or they're even undocumented students. And so, and it doesn't even address the fact that rent in New York City is ridiculously high. And most of the expenses go towards room and board, not actually right. tuition because of federal aid and grants. So the Excelsior program really is just for basically wealthy white students who basically want to go to college and save a little couple of dollars. Um, but, you know, as far as Hillary Clinton go- goes, um, I mean, Bernie Sanders did a rally with Andrew Cuomo. Right. I don't think the push plan goes, goes far enough. Um, she did at LaGuardia Community uh, College, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually a really good location. It's in Long Island City, so it has a lot of those you know, white, liberal-leaning uh-huh. people. <laughs> but it's also at a community college too, right. so you can say, "Well, you know, you know, we're really proposing this tuition, you know." Mm-hmm. And I think plan. I mean, it's getting so much praise and things of that nature, but I think we really need to step back. You know, who is this going to helping, and who's this going to harm? And for the longest, the people who are not helped are people who are at the bottom. Absolutely. And also, like, what else do we need to do? Everyone's like, well, at least it's a, at least it's a start. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to knock folks who, because especially making 80, even though there are folks who don't make $80,000 as a household in New York, but still even making $80,000 in New York City is not going to be a whole lot, especially if you live in, if you're not living way, like what, way, 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 way out in Queens someplace. I mean, like, right. like, like, like seriously, <laughs> like, like, you know, like, I mean, that's still, it's a lot of money, but then it's not a lot of money for as expensive as New York has become. Right. So, so I can understand, but I do actually appreciate, appreciate your sentiment, especially when you're thinking about folks, um, you know, further upstate, Western New York. But when you start looking at the numbers, when you look at how many students, I think they said um, like 90% of students at, at, at uh, some of the community colleges would not qualify for this. So you have 90% of community college students not qualifying because they're part-time they're working, you know, and, and, and also what a lot of these students need, um, they're saying, I think it was 60% at four-year colleges would not be, universities would not be eligible. But a lot, a lot of what people need is like what you were pointing out about the, the cost of living, right? It's, it's that other part of what it costs to go to school um, that, that needs to be taken care of. And, you know, yes, having scholarships and stuff to take care of tuition is crucial, but those living expenses and how are you going to work to afford to live, making minimum wage or, well, no, 
your minimum wage up there is a little bit better than it is down here down south, but still, like it's so expensive. Still, but still, yeah. it's so expensive to live there. So I mean, it costs a lot of money to live. And like the like uh, the article I got from you about traditional students and how the average student going to um, you know making themselves amenable to you know New York State school opportunities or the, the CUNY schools. Um, for folks who aren't familiar, CUNY City of New York schools, really, Hunter, really some really good schools. I mean, these are also really good schools. There's a whole nother conversation, though, about, you know, investment in facilities, um, actually paying people to be professors versus using cheap adjunct labor. Um, all types yep. of other issues exist, too, at relying on these schools and tuition is going to go up. So um, so you're only helping a small fraction of students. Tuition is going to go up and you're not investing in the schools or the faculty themselves. So, yeah. Andrew Cuomo 2020. And Hillary Clinton there really sealed the deal on what I really thought this tuition plan was going to be, which is, you know, appeal to the moderate, you know, I guess Democrats. I mean, it's not even Democrats anymore. They're basically Republicans. But appeal to the moderates and saying, look, we're we're making steps. We're doing strides. It reminds me of what Malcolm X said about the Dixiecrats and how, you know, everyone always would come up to him and say, look, we're making progress. We're doing great Mm -hmm. things. Just wait. Just hold on. And I think now we really need to be strong in saying that, you know, the other side is united and taking away all our rights and strengthening theirs. And we need to do the same. Right. We need to go full force and, and talking about what's right. Absolutely. Uh, and this tuition plan is something that, you know, is definitely a layup. New York State is, you know, last in terms of raise the age, but should be first in, you know, really providing actual affordable college. If that's what we're going to do besides just. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Free tuition is not free college. Um, and there's there's so much more that needs to go along the way in terms of affordable housing, uh, 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 you know, well-paying jobs or some other systems. I mean, even if the Excelsior kicked in ahead of Pell Grant, right, if it wasn't that last, you know, last place aid, uh, last applied aid, you know, that makes a huge difference because then Pell Grant could go towards, you know, living expenses to help defer some of the cost of being in school before you even had to tap into loans. Um but yeah, I mean, but but when we've seen people get so excited, like, look, look what Bernie did. This is so wonderful. Yeah. Like, yes, score. <laughs> it's like I, um, you know, I've had people like, I need to be more aggressive. Yeah, I've need had to be people more aggressive than really aggressive progressives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I've had people upset with me. Well, you know, people who don't haven't had to pay student. Loan. I got I got hella student loan debt. I had two kids when I was in college. I got plenty. I had scholar and I had scholarships. I had scholarships. I had my tuition covered for undergrad, graduate school, and law school. But I still had to take out scholarships to live because I was raising little kids in the process. And and that's my my burden. That was my choice. But still, right? You know, like like but for doing that, and now I'm paying for it. I mean, yeah, and I think this is a good example. But it's difficult. How, yeah, I think this is a good example of how like there's so much like racial difference in mm-hmm. a lot of the progressive movement. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we can talk about this forever, but, you know, this is a clear appeal to, like, classes and the fact that, you know, if we're going to send all these people to the college, they'll be able to bridge the gap, you know, between the wealth inequality. Well, now with this plan, you're just sending a message to black and brown kids who have to work part time to, you know, help out around the house, which is actually a good number of kids I go to school with, mm-hmm. you know, who live at home already. Or now you're guaranteeing that you're going to be part of this program, you have to stay in the state for two to four years. You know, you can't pursue other opportunities. And that's nothing to do, you know, to reduce the racial inequality gap when there's so many other systematic problems mm-hmm. that college isn't just going to fix it. You know, the capitalistic system that exploits us time and time again isn't going to help working within the system. 
Right, right, definitely. Um, and I think you touched on a good point. And again, like, well, it's, it's, I don't know what your experience has been. Maybe you can give me, you know, as we, we have this last few minutes talking, like some of your experience, maybe like within this whole new wave of progressivism and stuff that people have been experiencing and trying to organize across movements, um, you know, within this space. But I think what you said about, you know, folks get class only sometimes and don't see, especially when you're in, when you're organizing in these spaces around issues of criminal justice reform, even around education, the disparities in education in terms of high school graduation rates, even college graduation rates and stuff like that. We like, like, we can't, we can't take race out of the equation. You know, people will say, well, identity politics is a distraction or identity politics is bad or whatever. And it's like, Okay, but you can't you can't separate you can't divorce race from what is happening um, by any stretch of the imagination. That just cannot happen, and we have an honest dialogue about what we need to do and how to create action items. I mean, New York State is number one in school segregation because the schools never were, you know, forced to segregate. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, of New York State, like if you're a white liberal, you know, you're doing well off here. The only thing you're worried about is the fact that your rent's going up 500 when everyone else can't even afford to live there. Right. Um, and this has been time and time again. I think my experience with progressivism is now it's turned into like a white savior complex. So now when I come into say when I come into spaces or even worse, when white people try and enter enter spaces that I do, like black only spaces, it turns into, well, you know, I'm on the right side of this issue, just shut up and listen. And you know, I'm not one for that. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of a lot of times with those on the progressive side it's you know they feel they're so right that whenever they say something that's obviously wrong you know their feelings get hurt when you call them out and so now mm -hmm. i think moving forward you know i call out people all the time but it gets exhausting one thing i noticed it gets exhausting it you know does. trying to educate and educate and reteach people the stuff and it's it's ridiculous honestly white people they educate themselves on 18th century british literature and all these other newfound topics, but yeah, you can sit down and educate yourself <laughs> about race. Well, no, and that, I, that's why I thought when when people start doing like the syllabi, the, the syllabi for different things, right? Like, I'm just like we 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 all just need to keep a handy list of readings, right? And just drop them, <laughs> drop them on folks, drop them in the mentions. Yeah. Like here, here are some like someone just someone needs to do this. Just make a bunch of ebooks or audio books, you know, and folks can just drop, just read excerpts of 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 of, of, of chapters people need to read, you know, specifically of books exactly. and stuff. But I think that's a really valid point, and I think I think it, it's it's rough, right? Because we're all on the same side, especially all this conversation about unity and like we need to all come together. And the problem is like we've seen so many instances where we all need to come together means like, you know, someone's issues or concerns or identity has to take a back seat, you know, in that of what that looks like. And I mean, we even saw that with the civil rights movement, like in, in, in class, but, but on the flip side, we black folks do need to address class, right? Because we did see that um, you know, within the civil rights movement with, um, you know, with, with how there was a de-emphasizing on class and economics and workers' rights. And, and we, while there was a, were attempts to have an economic agenda, that really was like sidelined um, through, through much of the movement and stuff. So, so, so there are those various uh, uh, things that need to balance. One thing you said that was very interesting was about, you know, when, when you're trying to work in Black-only spaces, there was a big hoopla recently with Black Lives Matter, I believe it was Philly. Was it Philly or D.C.? Yeah, it was Philly. Um, about uh, Breitbart or some other folks were upset, like they supposedly cared so much about, um, you know, the fact that there's a Black-only space. You know, what do you say to folks who who get upset that 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 you're taking the time to have this space 
that is for black organizing only or black love only or black i just want to take a deep breath and sigh only like whatever the hell it is only <laughs> obviously a ploy for feel better about themselves eating black people I mean, people aren't upset when there's, you know, black student organizations on campus, you know, and they don't join those, or there's black-only fraternities, or there's black-only colleges, or some of the black colleges universities. But now, because it's something that's in your vested interest, not only just personally, but, you know, in a capitalism here, you could, you know, look at Pepsi, they're trying to make a whole bunch of money off of social justice issues. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, it's, it's, it's innate, I don't like to say white privilege, because I don't think if you have such a blind eye to racial issues that you're privileged. But in those spheres, you know, people, you know, feel so, I guess, guilty um, that they want to start entering other people's spaces and dictating and controlling the conversation. And I take from Malcolm X again, I keep quoting him, but we really need to start building our own institutions, our own spaces that are effectively organized. You know, I like this, what I tell people is, when they talk about BLM failures, you know, black people have been struggling for years. Mm-hmm. want them to come up from the bottom. Black people are at the bottom of every social, economic, and political ladder. You uplift those people, you uplift the rest of us. You know, if you uplift the people yeah. at the bottom and stop focusing on the people at the top, you know, relationship to class, then you'll really start to see effective change. You can't address class issues if you don't address racial inequality first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kenneth, thank you so much for joining me. No, we are definitely going to have to circle back and talk more about this. Um, You know, I'm taking my Progressive Wild Black show on. Oh, yeah, everybody, go to the Netroots Netroots Nation 2017 website. Um, They're they're panels, right? And and yours truly, along with Michelle Watley, um, Cesar Vargas, Dr. Uh, Melina Abdullah, and my girl Candice Fortin, we are we are have proposed the panel. Uh, I'm taking my Progressive Wild Black show on the road with this all star cast of folks. Um, So please go vote. Use the keyword Progressive Wild Black. Um, You can vote up until Friday. Uh, voting is, you know, ranking the voting. That's part of how they're choosing the panel. So, um, but Kenneth, I, because that just made me think about it, but Kenneth, I greatly appreciate you for joining me. We definitely need to, to chop it up again um, and talk some more about this stuff and ongoing. I definitely want to hear more about your work and, and let's just keep, you know, in touch, keep talking and whatever I can do to help and share um, and, and lift up, just let me know. I appreciate you. Likewise, and keep doing what you're doing. You know, a lot of times, you know, thanks isn't needed. Thank you. Appreciate you. Good night. Yeah, you too. So thank you, everybody. This has been The Way with Anoa. Um, you know, again, like, subscribe, like the videos, subscribe to the channel, share, uh, you know, help me grow. Like we have been building this together and I hope we continue to grow. And 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 someday I'll just, you know, be, be, be big balling with the numbers and the videos and stuff like like Tim and Ben and all the rest of them. But um, but 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 I thank you guys for being here and engaging and enjoying. I um, wanted to close out with a uh, quote from Nikki Giovanni. Um, Mistakes are a fact of life. It is response to the error that counts. You know, nothing today has been completely fatal. I mean, I know having 45 has been like a disastrous, like nightmare come to life for many folks. But I mean, there, there, there are errors that have been made. There, there, are, there are miscalculations and missteps, but we have the blessing of being able to learn lessons from those opportunities and still actually change 
you know, course correct, make course corrections and engage and build something that's really meaningful, continue building something. You know, they're, like I said, Movement for Black Lives folks had um, these great webinars that they're doing. There's organizing a Minnesota Neighborhood Organizing Change. It's MNOC. I think, I think that's the acronym. They're doing some really great stuff statewide in Minnesota. Um, there's so much going on. There's so many wonderful people. You know, uh, Cooperative Jackson has a great model that folks definitely should check out. Uh, nothing, nothing that has been done, you know, is, is completely fatal and has completely, it's not like it's like, you know, in game, we can't do anything else. There's always, thankfully, still an opportunity to, to, to keep things going, to build a movement, to focus on issues and values that speak to our communities and people. We saw in Kansas District 4, without big money, without big names, we saw people connecting with people around values, around issues that matter. Right. And that's what we see time and time again all across the country. So the, the lessons that we need to learn, I mean, there's so many of them and they're so rich. And, and I'm just so proud of everyone out there who continues to work and engage. Shout out to the person who told me that I wasn't inspiring and I ought to do more of my time. You People should watch my content more. So share my videos. I'm out. Good night. <laughs>